Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. So many of you have already signed up to Headstuff Plus, which I'm so grateful for. I think like it's like 170 people now have signed up and that means the podcast can grow and grow and I really really am so grateful to you if more of you want to sign up it's five euro a month or whatever you want to give and you can sign up at headstuffpodcasts.com forward slash register and then just choose my podcast and you'll get extra bonus material every month Hello and welcome to Basically. I'm your host, Stephanie Preisner, and today I am giving you guys what you have asked for. I've had so many messages with people asking me to basically help them get a mortgage and I am incapable of doing that, but I have found someone who is perfectly capable, Robert Whelan. Thank you so much for joining us. You're going you're gonna to help us all get mortgages. Absolutely, Stephanie. If you hang on right to the very end of the podcast, I give out the lotto numbers. Oh, wow. We're in. <laughs> So tell us where. So actually, I have also put out a question box or no, I gave the email address. So if you ever have a question for the podcast, you can email us at basically at headstuff.org. And some of you did send in questions for Robert, which we're going to get to at the end. And we're going to answer each of your questions, but maybe we will cover it in the content. So where should we start, Robert? I think the first place to start is with first time buyers. Okay. Uh, Because ultimately that is where everyone's first journey is onto the mortgage market. And the frustrations that they're feeling, uh, COVID aside, but just with the inability, they feel there's an inability to be able to get themselves on the property ladder, maybe as easily as their parents did 30 years ago or their siblings did 15 years ago, whatever the case may be. And what I'd like to do is kind of demystify a lot of the process, but also give them a bit of straight straight advice. Straight talking. Yeah, advice, rather yeah. than dance around the issues. I think okay. that's half of it. It's that their frustrations, even looking at some of the questions that came through, it's on getting conflicting reports because nobody seems to be willing to give them an honest answer, which may be uncomfortable for them to hear, right. which is, no, you're not getting the mortgage now, but if you do here's what you do. And I think that's the real frustration that people feel. So it's fine to start off, like what I'm going to do is I'll produce a pack, call it that, an infographic which uh, everybody will be able to share. You can send it out via email, stick it on your Instagram feed, whatever. And that's going to cover the basics of what documents you're going to need to get to get your mortgage and all of that type of stuff. So we, that's available on every website. What I'd like to do today is give people some ideas about getting mortgage ready because that's okay. the number one question I get asked when I do these types of talks and, and for when employers get me in, talk to their staff. So, so the is first this like, these are the things I need to do, that I need to start doing now so that I can go into a bank and be like, 
I would like a mortgage. Exactly. Okay. So the first thing is... in our bag. <laughs> yes. Planning is crucial. Okay. It depends on your circumstances. So the biggest frustration people have is the capacity to actually save the deposit whilst they're renting. And is the deposit 10% for a first-time buyer? Absolutely. And there's no negotiating on that whatsoever. It okay. is 10%. Now, so there is help to buy and we'll come to that in a sec. Okay. But if I am trying to get my stuff together, you've got to look a year out. Okay. And this is the first uncomfortable truth. You're going to have to either live like a Spartan or get mum and dad to help you out. Okay, There's, so you're going to have to save ferociously. You have to save ferociously. And the one thing we have or seen... Or you could win the lotto or be inherited. <laughs> Can you use inheritance? Oh, gosh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. the, 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 ultimately, the lenders don't care where your deposit comes from, honestly, okay. as long as you can show that it came from legitimate means. Right. But beyond that, if you've got, if you've got the gift entirely of, of your deposit from your parents or grandparent, whatever the case may be, they don't care. Okay. What they want to see is, have you proven the capacity to the re- repay the loan over the previous six months? And so if you get the deposit as a gift, so mm. say your house is going to be 300 grand mm. and mum and dad give you 30 grand, does that disprove your ability to repay? Like if you're... Not necessarily so. It depends if you've been living like a Spartan and this is what I mean about it, right? Okay. Is that what the banks want to see is have you been capable of living without a mortgage repayment for the previous six months? Okay. So I'm go back to my first point, living like a Spartan, that's because you need to save. In terms of actually what you present to the bank, they really only care about the last six months. Okay. So if you've had a great time in the first six months of 2020, yeah. don't worry about it. Okay. If you've been locked down like everybody, this is why mortgage applications are surging because, because suddenly have been they've been saving. Because you can't spend. So they've never looked more appealing to a bank right. because they're going, oh my God. But our bank's going to take that into account being like, well, I know that you didn't. You Absolutely know? not. God, no. No, not at all. Okay. So, which is good. <laughs> so, yeah. um, the, so if, you, if you are fortunate enough that you have been gifted the deposit, well, then what you need to do is, okay, I need to save as aggressively as possible. And it's a really important message to give to people, particularly when they're renting. Well, actually, let's assume that you yeah. haven't been gifted the deposit because yes. most people will not exactly. be gifted the deposit. Yeah. So if you have been renting, the rent counts toward your capacity to repay the loan. So if I'm to explain this, let's just say you're going for a mortgage of 300,000 and the bank are saying to you, if you want a mortgage of 300,000, you have to show us that you've been capable of living without 1,800 euros per month. month. Per is, month. That, is that how many how many years of a mortgage would that be based on? I'm being ex- I'm actually being a bit dramatic there. It's probably about 1600. That would okay. be on a 30-year mortgage. Okay. Okay. And what they would do say it is 1600 quid. You have to show the bank that for the last 6 months you've, you've been, been capable of living without 1600. What does that mean? You're not dipping into your overdraft, you're paying your credit card bill, that type of stuff, mm-hmm. right? So that does, and rent counts toward that figure. Wow, so if you're paying like 800 euro rent, that's half your mortgage already. You're showing the bank that you've already, you're meeting half your mortgage repayment. So if you're in that scenario, your rent is 800, you're saving 800, you've met the mortgage requirement to actually demonstrate your capacity to repay the loan, which is huge. So that's all they want to see. But I suppose pre-COVID, saving 800 euro a month is pretty difficult. And that's where I say we're into the uncomfortable truth. Okay. I suppose... Does, like everything in life, was there anything worthwhile that was easy? So, like, you, it, it, this is the uncomfortable truth. We have to make some sort of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, an, in our own experience, it's either you move back in with parents, 
which is very difficult for people in their late 20s and sometimes early 30s. Yeah. But they've no choice but to do that in order to save. Uh, or it's make a compromise on the type of property or the location of the property that you're like to buy. Okay. But and that, how much are, like, where where's your business based? Dublin, Dublin City Centre. And how much on average are the mortgages that people are applying for? The average mortgage in Dublin last year was 330,000. Okay, so that would mean that you'd need 3,300 of a deposit. 30. Sorry, 33,000 of a deposit. Oh my God. They're all rushing to it. We're going to get this mortgage. Um, yes. Well, actually, if your mortgage is 330, your purchase price is about 365, but 370 actually. Your purchase price, explain that purchase price. Yeah, this is where we can get too bogged down in the maths, but very simple. If you are buying a place for 370,000 euro, you have to give 37,000, 10% of that as a deposit, which means your mortgage is 333,000. Sorry, your mortgage can't. Yeah, okay. So, uh, but that's the market. And I suppose with first time buyers, if I could just, the rent is the big issue, right? But this is where we just, I'm saying we have to make a choice. And just two weeks ago, I got an email from, I did a talk in LinkedIn for their staff, literally March 2018, it's up to three years ago. And one of my messages was, if you're a first time buyer, don't wait. The enemy of the enemy of good is perfect. Just yeah. get it done. Why are you waiting for the most perfect property in the world? If a bank have given you the confidence to give you mortgage approval, if even if it's only uh, that's my air quotes yeah, on podcast, <laughs> even if it's only for two hundred eighty thousand or whatever that case may be, go out and buy the best property you can buy for that amount now. And she sent me this email to thank me because I showed an example. And she said, that's me. I can't believe it. That's me. The difference in her personal wealth in the last three years, she was paying 1200 a month in rent. So in the last three years, she'd have paid nearly 40,000 euros in rent. And she sent me a copy of her mortgage statement. And she's paid off 18 and a half, 19,000 off the capital of her mortgage in the same period. So there's a 60,000 euro swing. You're either down 40 grand in rent or you're up 20 grand in your capital by paying down your own loan. And all you had to do was sort of lower your expectations on what kind of a first time property you are happy to have. You hit the nail on the head. And I think this is this is a fundamental blockage in the system is that people think, well, this is my forever home. It's not. It's never been. I, it's never been. Talk to your own parents. They'll tell you, God, no. So the first house we lived in was this. And that's, it's, that's why there's a reason why it's called a property ladder, mm-hmm. because there are different rungs. And as we get hopefully more affluent and we get a bit older, we're able to afford to move into the house that uh, meets our needs. And there's a question in fairness, which is about that and the frustration of not being able to do that. But in general, that's the principle. So you start off with the basic principle that, and I, I say this to everybody, an okay property in a great area. And the definition of a great area is you. It's yeah, well, your definition. What suits your needs? So an okay property in a great area that suits your needs is better than a great property in an okay area. I can can say that to you as a 43-year-old man who bought a house in the Celtic Tiger in an area that he really, I I bought the the great property in an okay area, if you know what I mean. And the area is fantastic, but it just wasn't suiting to our needs. We just went, what's grand, it's new and it's this and it's that. But when you sat back, it didn't meet our needs. So that's why, and and if we just get, get our heads around that fact. Right. I went on daft this morning, right? Just did a little exercise. Yeah. So you'll hear this, that this concept that there's no properties out there. There's nothing I can afford. Okay. 
There are 456 properties as of this morning on Daft. Uh, in Dublin, the 2nd of February. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on Daft, um, that are available, that your mortgage repayment will be less than €1,200 Euro per month. In Dublin city centre, today, your mortgage, rep- your monthly mortgage repayment on a 30-year loan will be less than €1,200 a month. Why do they pick €1,200 a month? Because you cannot get a property in Dublin to rent below €1,200 a month. But do these properties have like an awful lot of money you need to like invest in them? Like are they fixer-uppers as you call them? I picked three. Right. One, if you said to me, right, what's one of the most desirable areas to live in Dublin? Ranla? Yeah. Right. You can get a one bed in Ranla for a mortgage of uh, €930 a month. What? Yeah. You can get a two bed in Island Bridge for 1000 a month and you can get a three bed in Fibsborough for 1140 a month. A three-bedroom house in Fibsborough. In Fibsborough. Lovely, nice little cottage. I know people who are renting in Fibsborough who are paying like that per room. I'm glad you brought it up. Exactly, because I then went into Daft and I went from to buy and clicked the filter to To rent. rent. And I went, whoa! And it's, it's, but this is what I'm saying is that, okay, it's not the dream gaff. It's not got the, it doesn't have the hot tub. I'm being facetious, but you get my point. But like, good God, once you buy your own place, there's an inherent, like you've been doing, I said, you're doing great work on mental health. There's a, an incredible benefit and to having that, to having achieved that, even in terms of our own personal development, it's like, I'm now a grown-up. I have a mortgage, right? Yeah. But there is an... I'm in, now in debt. I'm <laughs> Congratulations, you're in debt. Exactly. You know. But there, there are other benefits, but there are, once it's your own place, yeah. you feel like you've achieved something. And what happens is, is the bit of damp in the corner you paint over it and you forget about it. Or the fact that the floors aren't exactly what you wanted. Well, you say, well, I'll save and I'll put the, those floors in. And the kitchen cupboards, do you know what I'll do? I'll paint them rather than replace them. And what happens is, is mentally, we are we can accept that a hell of a lot easier than, Jesus, I'm paying 12, 1300 a month for this thing and I'd still change the, those cupboards and I'm still not happy with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's just... There is, the, all of those examples are real examples. So you can buy a one bed apartment in Ranelagh, it's on the market for 285. The two bed in, in Island Bridge is 265. And the three bed in Fibsborough is 325. Now, all of those need between 28,000 and 33,000 as a deposit. Okay. So I'm not saying it's easy. Okay. I'm not. But, but it's possible. It's hope. Yeah. It's not, again, I've seen. Um, a politician, right? I'm not going to name anyone, but a politician was on TV recently saying uh, you can't get a house in Dublin for less than 470,000. Right, well, we've three of them there. Well, life got three decent properties that I know a lot of first-time buyers would love. Again, if you're a couple, one bed and round. I think that goes back to the thing you were saying at the start. There's three types of buyers. There's, there's, there's a first-time buyer. There's a someone who's going what's it called up trading up, up. trading up yeah. and then someone who's switching. So mm. like maybe that politician was talking about there's no house that you can buy where you're trading up or like something that a family because obviously that one bed in Ranla that's yeah. not going to work if you've got kids Absolutely. and whatever but if you're just a couple who are paying rent out your nose at the moment then it might be yeah and it, but it's about choices yes. and it's about and make a decision I have this I was shown it some earlier is that if we procrastinate procrastination leads to frustration yeah. leads to moaning and you have this vicious cycle of moaning equals frustration equals procrastination equals more moaning more frustration more procrastination I'd agree with you there Yeah, when I was buying my house I I sort of felt like I had I was given mortgage approval 
And I sort of was like, I don't think, I think they've made a mistake. I'm just going to do this really fast. And I have this policy because I get, I I really, I can't cope with like the agony of choice. Like I can't watch Netflix because there's too much choice. And I was like, I'm going to view three houses. And I walked into the third one. I was like, I'm not looking at any more houses. This is the one. I want this one. I'm going to get into a bidding war and I'm going to take this one. Brilliant. And that is what I did because I couldn't look at any more houses. And then, you know, decision fatigue happens where someone's like, what colour do you want the walls to be? And I'm like, let's just paint them all white and I'll make this decision in a couple of years. And now I'm starting to think about what colour I want the walls to be. But decision, like make a decision and and that for me making the decision meant like not giving myself too many options like I couldn't be on daft I, I knew that I needed to be closer to my nana than I had been in Fibsborough so I was like right so I'm moving north of Fibsborough towards Castleknock and here and then I just drove around the neighbourhood one day and looked at the for sale signs I was like right we'll go here that's brilliant and but that's this, that's it because I said the opposite of that is um, if you are if you accept where the market is yeah acceptance equals optimism, equals progress. Yeah. Because you just go, well, I've now made progress. It's great. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to buy a house in this housing <laughs> estate because this is what I can afford. And this is like, these are my, these are my terms. It was the same when I was like, when, when my friend was looking for a wedding dress, she was like, I know these are my things. The, I want long sleeves, short dress, blah, 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 blah. All right, there's two that suit me. I'm going to put these two on and I'm going to pick one of them. And like, if you reduce the criteria on daft to actually what you can afford and not go up to like 500 grand and be like, oh, I really wish I could afford that. It's like, this is only causing you stress. Just go back to your budget and look at what you can, what you can deal with. And that's, if you, if you ask me, just, that's the perfect real life case study of exactly what I'm talking about. Right. That you just realise that perfection isn't an option at this stage. Yeah. Hopefully it is. Hopefully you were on, you know, uh, you won the lotto or you uh, get really successful in your career. Great. That's fantastic. But where you're at right now, make a decision. And whether that's like another issue that's coming up is around, do I stay in Dublin? Do we move home to the country? Right. Yeah. And that's something that came up a couple of weeks ago with a client. And I said, just do a simple pros and cons. Yeah, I'm from the country. I'm from Carlo. Yeah. Right. Um, and people say to me, are you mad? You know, God, look at the house you get down here and yeah. this, that and the other. And I say, yeah. So I did my pros and cons and I wrote top of the list. You left Carlo for a reason. And that's not against Carlo. I'm from Carlo. I love Carlo. I'm my founder in Carlo. Right. But I love living in Dublin. Dublin yeah. suits me. And back to my earlier point about an OK property in a great area is better than a great property in an okay area. Yeah. And the okay area isn't about crime or about anything. It's just suits, as you said, you wanted a property, you were near to your nana. That was the first thing you said. Yeah. So everything else didn't matter. I could have showed you this fabulous five bed up in Duleek and you'd have said, I don't care. I want to be able to get to my nana in five minutes. Yeah. And that was the thing. And like, I do sometimes look at the properties I could get for the equivalent price back where I'm from in Mallow. And I'm like, right. oh my God, I'd be living like a queen. And I'd be close to my mam. But I'm like, but then my work, my commute, I, I just I wouldn't be in Dublin. Mm. And that kind of, then it's out the window. But you're happier. Yeah. You know. Overall. Well, I mean, with COVID now, I'm like, no, oh, it's, I'm not. Lovely. <laughs> no, but wouldn't it be lovely to like be able to be close to your people with the restrictions, but hopefully they'll be gone. Yeah, soon. hopefully. Another, another podcast, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so like, and it's something you said there as well, if I could just go for approval. Yeah. Get approval because, and then with that approval, and it's something you kind of hinted at yourself, the banks have given you a vote of confidence. Yeah. They've said, Stephanie, we think you're good for that amount of money. 
So go spend it. Don't sit in it. Don't yeah. keep paying rent. Don't keep tying yourself in knots. I really want the four bed in Castle Knock. And yeah. the, you'll get there. Get the two bed apartment in Island Bridge. In Island Bridge. <laughs> it's near. Yeah. You know, you can walk to Castle Knock in 20 minutes. Um, but just start somewhere. And accept that that's a really positive step and do what is right for you not what you think society don't think don't think oh people have to wait like I have this thing my cousin told me I'm mad to be buying now should be are you mental if, if whatever makes you happy forget about what everybody else wants you to do if you want to if that area is right for you you buy it if it's a warm bed and you can live in a warm bed take it if you're a family well then you have to make a decision we're miserable in a two bed apartment in this area now we've, and this is a broader question. We have an enormous stress in our lives because we're we're in a we're in a property that's ultimately too small for our needs. You have to make a decision. Then it's okay. Well, what do we? Do? We need a bigger property. Well, do we com- move completely? And the one positive that has come out of COVID is the capacity for employers to accept that my employees do not have to live within commuting distance of the office. Yeah. And that is a huge benefit for those types of families who now have an option, a real option to be able to decide, well, we're very happy here. The kids are in a good school. We love our friends. But when we come home inside the door, this is just this place is just too cramped. We need a playroom. We need a garden, whatever it is. Well, COVID, as long as it's and again, it's not every job, but you know what I mean, right? The vast yeah. majority of people. Certainly anyone who's actively at work today that isn't in construction or healthcare uh, is doing so from home. So you can do that from Carlo, from Mallow, from La Hinch, mm-hmm. wherever it is, you know, that th- there's a, a digital hub down there. Broadband permitting. Well, I actually checked. So because I did a thing for a client who was looking at moving back west. Uh, they're not far from Ennis. And we found a house in Liscanner and you can get one gigabyte broadband in Liscanner. Well, there you go. And I bet you the house prices are much more reasonable down there. Uh, they were looking at a gaff. It was on 0.18 of an acre, 2,000 square feet for about 330 grand. Wow. And five minutes walk to the beach. Oh, bliss. So, yeah, no, like within five kilometres. Everyone's going to be like, what's within five feet of this property? <laughs> okay, so what do we need to do then? So we've decided, okay, I'm going to get realistic about the property I can afford. Yes. I can afford based on my rent and what I can save. I can afford this much of a mortgage. I've picked yes. my property. Now what else do I need to do? Right. So that's kind of like, what's your mortgage toolkit, right? Yeah. So once you've got your approval and you find a solicitor, um, your solicitor is going to be responsible. Is it a solicitor you need or or like a mortgage broker or just oh, go sorry. to the bank? I suppose I've kind of skipped a part of the process there. Um, as a mortgage broker, I should have advocated. Yeah. Uh, you, get, you speak to somebody who will get you a mortgage, whether it's going directly to the bank or whether you talk to a broker like ourselves. Absolutely. And so the difference, I guess, between a bank and a broker is that you can absolutely go directly to a bank, but you'll have to go to all the banks yourself or you could get a broker and they'll go to all the banks for you. That's effectively it. And this is a, I suppose if I can dispel one myth, a broker won't get you more from a bank than you can get yourself and a bank won't give you more than a broker will. The rules are the rules. Unless you are connected to somebody genuinely and you might be able to get a string pulled, it doesn't exist. So don't think by going directly, even to your own bank, Mm -hmm. that you're going to get a more favourable decision than a broker could get for you with that bank. Post Celtic Tiger crash, the central bank rules that have been imposed on the banks have really put them all... They're all in the same straightener jacket. So don't think that you're cutting your nose off to spite your face by going directly to the bank or going to a broker. And does a broker just make you look, do do they kind of, are they like, they put you in a suit and make you more presentable to the bank? 
than you going in and in, in your tracksuit yourself. Absolutely. All mortgages are about a story. And okay. it's, when you see someone in the mortgage business, they'll say it's how you package the loan. Right. right okay. So absolutely. But the, the capacity to tell but the facts of the facts as well. This is the point is that there's no grey area with them. Like they all say men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. So um, we can put but it. What a mortgage, a good mortgage broker, any good mortgage advisor, I'm not going to slag the banks off, but any good mortgage advisor will do is, for instance, if you have a credit event in your history, like you've missed the repayment. Yeah. Okay, there's a cover letter that goes with every mortgage. Well, a good mortgage broker will take the time in the cover letter to explain this is what happened to Stephanie in that particular, you know, whatever it yes, was, you okay. get my point, right? And then when it goes to the underwriter, well, then they're not coming back to you going, hold on, we've done the investigation. Stephanie missed a repayment on her car loan in 2016. We need an explanation. And would they really go back as far as that? Five years. So five years. So they, because I, I understood when you said that they're only going to look six months. Yeah, so thank That's you for clarifying that. Behaviour, as in your behaviour as a credit history, is five years. Okay, so if you've missed a loan or what else would show up in that credit history? It's anything that would be reported on the Consumer Credit Register. It's called a CCR report. Okay. okay. So I'd say anybody who's intending to get a mortgage, go online. You can download your own report and okay. it'll show you if you've had a credit event. And it's, it's effectively if you've missed either a series, hopefully not, um, but a, you've had some sort of situation where you didn't pay your loan for a couple of months or you defaulted on a loan. And default if, is bad. You don't want to do that. If if you have defaulted on a loan mm-hmm. or you have had a series, like, are you just out of the running for a mortgage? Five years. So you'd want to be like, okay, I'm going to be really good for the next four or five years and then they as, won't look at that. As long as it's over five years ago, they won't look at it now. Okay. Within reason. That's I'm being very broad there. Okay. Within reason. Yeah. So you'll know yourself if there was a huge thing. You hit the nail yeah. on the head. <laughs> right, okay. So... Back to you then. Yeah. So in terms of your mortgage toolkit, firstly, yeah, get a mortgage. And I said, we'll, we'll have a pack there, which is a simple mortgage checklist, but everyone's familiar with it now. Bank statements, credit card statements, etc. Get it. Go. Next thing is you need to find a solicitor. Solicitor is cri- critical in the entire process because a really good solicitor will reduce your anxiety and stress levels. A really bad solicitor will will absolutely drive you bats because they'll keep coming back to you for information that you've already given them and they're not communicating effectively. And you could have, you could be really lucky or unlucky. You could have a brilliant solicitor, but a really crap solicitor on the other side of the transaction. And Would that be where you're buying the house from? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So whoever you're buying the property from will have appointed their own solicitor because a contract will have to be exchanged. So you are signing a contract to say you're buying this property from them, whether it's a builder as in a new property or someone else who's selling their own home. Yeah. So, but a really good solicitor will, will really reduce your anxiety. So referrals, I'd say, are in really important here. So ask around. Oh, Jesus. And I, I always say about everything, um, if it's like anything in life, good God, do not waste the resource that's on your fingertips. If you've had a friend, a brother, a sister, a colleague who's gone through the process, ask them. Keep asking them as many questions as you can. Learn from their mistakes and go, God, don't do this or God, do that, right? So get yourself a solicitor. That's really important. Then you've got some paperwork. You're going to have to sort out life insurance because the bank won't give you a loan unless they know that if the worst happens to you, that the loan will be repaid. Yes, okay, so I remember this. Yeah. And the life insurance thing, sometimes they'll they'll need like a doctor's letter and they'll need you to be like, make sure that you don't have any ongoing. I remember there was an issue with me because I had a consultant appointment coming up mm. and they wouldn't give me the insurance until, until I had had mm. that appointment and they'd give me the all clear even though it was for something I can't even remember what it was for mm. now some nonsense Yeah. Um, but then eventually I got it yeah 
And that's but like okay. we like the sale of the house actually was held up because I was waiting for that appointment with the consultant to give me the all clear so that the life insurance could kick in. So it seemed like a really silly thing, but it actually held up the whole thing. I'm glad you said that. So I'd always say try and get that sorted about three months prior to drawdown. Yeah. So if you're looking at a hopeful drawdown date of the 1st of January, get it done in October. Yeah. So if you have that all wrapped up by October, you're going to need house insurance. So your house insurance is a policy, which means if the house bur- is burnt down or uh, is burgled or whatever the case may be, but it's mostly burned, <laughs> that yeah. type of event or flooded, um, that the bank want to know that if the worst happens, the house will be reconstructed and again they, they're good for they have an asset that they'll be able to sell if you're unable to make their mortgage repayment. In my experience that was pretty simple that was oh, like God, it's straightforward. within a day yeah. like yeah I want this 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 and this yeah. and they're like we're going to take this Correct. a month from you. Yeah. Unless it's in a it says it's in an area anyway it doesn't matter it's fine we're going to go on about that you'll have to then arrange a valuation if you're buying a second hand property okay yeah. actually any property really you're going to have to arrange a valuation so the bank will say to you you might have remembered this yourself they'll say uh, here's our list of approved valuers. Yeah. So you have to pick one. They go out, they value the property, they fill in a valuation report. I have seen mistakes in valuation reports. Always, some people, they get it from the valuer. Yeah. They don't read it. Yeah. So we had one, literally a sleight of hand, the valuer put down a value of 295 on the property versus 395. Right, they just made a mistake in the And numbers. we, nobody checked it until it came literally to two days before drawdown. And then there was holy hell meltdown. Right. So always check your valuation report to make sure that it contains the raw numbers that you understand them to be. Right. Yeah. Uh, a survey is important. That was also, sorry, I'll, I'll just say in my experience how long that took then. So I got the list from, I got my mortgage at Bank of Ireland. They sent me a list. I picked the one that was, it was literally like, we deal with all mm. these people in Dublin. And I was like, okay, so Dublin 7, mm. this guy rang him. He was like, yeah, come out next Tuesday. Mm. But then I had to contact the woman who owns the house because obviously it wasn't my house at the time. Yeah and say, I need to send in a... I had to contact her, the estate agent who was selling the house. And that he was all like, yeah, that's totally normal. So the, the the guy went to the house while the woman who used to own the house lived in there. And he did a look around, looked at the property, checked for like, subs, you know, hmm. major issues. And then sent me a PDF report that looked very official. I looked at it. It said the number that the house was being sold for, that the bank were giving me the money for, everything lined up and I sent it on to them. And that's exactly it. But it was, I did, I was a little bit stressed because I was like, oh, I hope it's okay for him to go to the house. But it's all normal practice oh, of selling Well, if, if I want you to buy my house, you're gonna ex- I have no choice. I have to let them in. Yeah. But I didn't know that that was part of the process. So ah, I was like, exactly. So I'm glad oh, I said it gonna, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the other, in terms of getting entry, survey is very important. But whether you're buying new or secondhand. Yeah. Okay. So again, you're about to make a purchase of 300,000, stick with that type of figure, 400,000 euro. Make sure you get an expert opinion that the, the asset that you're buying is worth what is you're worth it. So there's the valuation, but then sending a surveyor a surveyor in and getting a, a survey done, like if if it is particularly an older house, yeah, all of those things will make an enormous difference to you. Know, you're never going to get, you know, um, what's underneath the floorboards. That's just yeah accepted, but it'll give you an idea and a bit of peace of mind. And it's five hundred quid is the typical fee is charged, but I recommend every client of ours do it because I say I know it's everything is money out. It's like money for this, money for that. But good God, I've yeah, had that was about I think that was just over five hundred euro for me, and it gave me such peace of mind yes. because he was like, I know these houses. They used to be council houses. They're so, like after there's a nuclear war, these will still be standing. <laughs> um, and he needed he actually. 
actually requested he needed a bit of time in the house and the house to be empty um, so the woman had to leave mm-hmm. the house and he had to like go and measure things and probably kick the walls yeah. and go up into the attic and yeah. stuff so, but that's yeah. brilliant and I'm delighted you did that because it just gives you as you said it gives you that bit of peace of mind so that when you're signing that bit of, that bit of paper that mm-hmm. says you're committing to repaying oh actually as well there was something there was a couple of things in that where he was like I couldn't see he, like there was mm. a couple of queries where like mm access was not able I was not able to access something and I was like oh my god and then the estate agent was like that's fine they always have some sort of query because they have to cover themselves totally well. oh yeah there's so that might not always come back as like a pure clean document for anyone listening yeah absolutely and that's they'll what I was saying something. yeah and they'll always say that there's stuff they couldn't see yeah because they have to cover because themselves. they have to and that's what I'm saying that's what I was with the under the floorboards type of analogy yeah, I was, yeah. Um, but it is money well spent. And then finally, you just need to have your dough ready to close it. So whether it's your deposit and everyone forgets about this bit. Everyone says, right, I'm buying a place and it's 300,000 euro and it's 30,000. But you have to pay stamp duty. Yeah. yeah I love the cider because everyone goes, what? Oh, there's my suite of furniture gone. Right. So no, uh, I remember at that point it was just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Put another zero on the end. Like it, it's, it's not your money. And you just get the sense of like you're like dealing in. Like I'm the type of person to walk around Tesco and be like, ooh, that has a reduced yellow sticker on it. I'm saving 63 cent. And at this point they're like, oh, that's another six grand. And you're like, sure, go sure, on. go on. Bank of Ireland's paying for it. Go for it. Whatever you want. But this actually this is really important. Bank of Ireland aren't paying for it. You have to come up with it. You do have to come up with yeah. the stamp duty and all yeah. those initial payments. Yeah, I do. I know if you get the cash back, it can help and all of those different bits. But um, people do forget about it. And you've got, so it's very important if I'm saying you're, gu- you're guiding yourself as to what type of property you're going to buy. And you're going, right, we need 30 if it is 30,000 we need 30,000 we need 30,000 you need stamp duty which is 1% of the purchase price and yeah. you need to budget between 2 to 3 grand for fees solicitor's fees and survey yeah. valuation so again 300,000 property rough rule of thumb you're going to need another 6,000 maybe 7,000 so you're going to need 37,000 not 30 and I, and it's that extra because everyone kills themselves and we go geez we've made it now the good news is typically it can take 4 to 5 months for you to actually find a place, go through, the process. go through the whole process. And if you are saving, you can almost save those ac- those extras in the meantime. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because you only need to show the evidence that you have the dough when you're about, as in the stamp duty and sli- mm-hmm. when you're actually about ready to draw down. So so that's really, I suppose, from, from the, the process and in your toolkit, uh, I think I've boxed everything off there. Uh, if you're looking to trade up, right? So this is the next, so that was for first-time buyers. First-time buyers, so yeah. So if you're currently living in a house and you want to buy a bigger house buy a bigger house uh, there are, there's one rule you need to remember and that's that you have to come up with 20% of the purchase price of your new property because you are a second time buyer so uh, right if, so it's 20% yes absolutely so the cent, go on does that is that not included in so how much can you presume is going to come from the sale of your current house as much as so let's just say it's give you a real example so clients of ours for Christmas sold their house for 420 okay right. they owed 310 310. So they pocketed 110,000. Okay. But the property they wanted to buy was 580. So they have 110. They have a, this is where we get people not doing maths and going, oh my God. So they, the property was, uh, they have 110. But by the time they paid fees and stuff like that, they came out about 100 grand. Okay. Right. So they had 100 grand and the property they were looking to buy was 580. Right. So they needed a deposit of 116. Right. But they only had 100. Exactly. So savings. Yes. Is that's basically you just got to save, put that to it, and then the bank will give you the mortgage. So it's very important to remember that extra little bit that you'll need as someone who's trading up. But other than that, 
everything I've set up till now is exactly the same if you're trading up. You need to demonstrate capacity to repay. You need to set your sights on a realistic property. You need to get your ducks in a row for the six months prior to application. Everything is the same. The only thing that's different for you is you need to have 10% more than the first time buyer. Right. At this stage, I'm compelled because I know there's probably people screaming at this. What about help to buy? Help to buy is a great scheme that the government are currently providing. I have to say that because they, every time they they renew it every year, it's a scheme whereby the government... But it might not be renewed one year, but currently it is. Then. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's a scheme that gives you up to, currently, up to €30,000 mm-hmm. for the purchase of a brand new property only if you are a first-time buyer. Okay, so so can, if you are a first-time buyer and, and you're buying a if, new build, mm, for instance, they will give you thirty grand Up to 30000 Right. The amount is either 5% of the purchase price, the lesser of 5% of the purchase price. So you'd be buying a property for 600,000. In that instance. So who is? So let's be realistic. Right. Let's just say you're a typical first time buyer and you're buying a property for 350,000. Right. They'll give you 5% of that. 17,500. As long as you, or if it's a joint application, both of you combined yeah. have paid at least 17,500 in income tax in the last four years. All of the information is on revenue.ie. It's really simple to apply, but just everybody who's thinking of buying a new property, or even not, just going for a mortgage, apply for help to buy, get it in your in your pocket, right? But so they won't give it to you if you then find a second hand house. Absolutely not. It's only available if you buy a brand new, new property. Yeah. Okay. So is uh, it given as cash or as tax relief? It's actually given as cash and in a lot, most in- instances it is paid directly to the developer. Okay. So you don't have to, so if you are again the first time buyer and you're buying a place for 350000 and you have help to buy, well you only have to save 17500 now because the, ba- the, the government are given to the developer 5%. So you only have to pay 5% deposit. Mm-hmm. Okay. In that instance, yeah, absolutely. Which sounds really good, but there's not a lot of new properties, is there, for that price? This is the problem. We have an enormous supply constraint in it and... And back to my point, most of the new properties, if we're being honest, are really great properties in areas that people might necessarily want to live in. You know what I mean? If you said and to also, people, also, sorry, mm-hmm. if you've paid 17 and a half grand in income tax, mm-hmm. how much like I how much you'd are ask you me that. Yeah, typically about, about 45,000. Okay, so you'd want to be on about 45,000 a year in order to be paying 17 and a half grand in income As tax. a single person, but combined, you know what I mean? If you've got most. Most, Most couples. Yeah, yeah, would be okay. well comfortable of um, achieving that. Okay. So, yeah, so like the big question then is around the suitability of finding the right mortgage for you. Do I go fixed? Do I go variable? And ultimately, and that, that's going to come up in some of the questions as well. So, yeah, yeah if you want to. Let's go for great. the questions. Um, and then if you, you can let us know if there is anything that we haven't covered, right? Sure. Spice Bags is a podcast about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Hi, I'm May. I'm an American food writer and I'm with my friends Blanca, a chef from Spain, and Dee, an Irish food editrix. And we are the Spice Bags, three sassy ladies with a lot to dish up. Join us for the chats. So, first of all, we have a question from Claire. What are the best steps in working towards saving for a mortgage to purchase a holiday apartment abroad? None. (laughs) Um, As in, no, um, 
you can't, an Irish bank will not give you a mortgage to buy a property outside of Ireland. Okay. And the international market, as in a Spanish bank, yes. it's very difficult to get a mortgage from a Spanish bank as an Irish person to buy a property in Spain. So if so you buying want... buying a holiday home is really just cash. cash your own savings. Pretty okay. much, yeah. Another Claire has asked, uh, myself and my ex-husband have a 35-year-old tracker mortgage, originally 300000 with permanent TSB. There's 14 years remaining, approximately 235000 We're not in arrears. We pay monthly and we're all up to date. We're divorced now, but we have agreed to sell next year. I've been looking into the tracker mortgage myself to buy on my own. I'm self-employed. I haven't made con- connection with PTSB yet to discuss, but given the rules around, around tracker mortgages, with my ex-husband's permission, how realistic is it to get a tracker mortgage myself? Would I need to liaise with the bank directly? or go to my original broker? Go back. Firstly, there's a lot in that, right? Um, so, as as best I can, one, go back to your bank. Go back to permanent TSB. Not the broker, right? Okay. Two, self-employed is okay, but you'll want to have been self-employed for at least three years for them to consider your application. Yeah. Three, the tracker may not be as attractive as you think it is because what the banks do is they go, oh, well, the house that we gave you the tracker on, well, now you're moving house. So you were on a tracker, say, of 1%. We're now going to give you a rate of 2%, right? But you might get 2.25% from another bank. So don't get hung up. As well, if I could say something to this lady is don't get too hung up on, on porting tracker. the tracker because the, it could be marginal. But advice is go directly to but the is bank. is the tracker not tracking? Like, will the tracker not track with inflation? For the next 30 years? No, what a tracker does uh, is it pegs the interest rate that you're paying on your mortgage to the interest rate charged by the European Central Bank. So you pay an amount above that. It's a tip. It's a thank, like, not thankfully, God, they were great. But the last tracker left the building in December 2008. So it's really only anybody who took out a mortgage since January 2009 is either on a fixed or a variable rate. They're not on trackers. So... But that's why she's saying, can can she still get a tracker? She can. And what, that's what I'd be saying to her is... But is, it might not be... It's not as... She's probably looking at going, it's great, I'll take out a new loan and my mortgage repayments will be a lot less because my interest rate will only be 1% versus 3% that I'm oh, seeing in the paper. Oh, the tracker won't be 1%. That's my, not a chance, okay. no, no. So this is an anonymous question. Yes. Um, myself and my boyfriend have 100k in savings between us. We're hoping to build in five years time. Mm-hmm. Currently, we're renting and we're toying with the idea of building the house we are in. Buy, sorry, we're, <laughs> we're toying with the idea of buying the house we're in, perhaps around the 250,000 euro mark to live in until we build and hopefully rent it out after that. We both pay 40% in tax. Should we buy or rent until we build? Buy. So buy the house that they're currently in for around 250,000. 100%. Because they have 100,000 in savings so they'd only need a mortgage of 150. They'll sail through. If they're happy living in that property? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But then they won't, but if, so they would have to save then for another five years to get the deposit for a mortgage to build the next bit. Or sell the property that they're currently, that they're going to buy. So okay. they're going to, instead of, so they buy today. This is my classic example, right? right? So they buy today and in the next four years or five years, whatever it is, reduced the they're paying capital. off the capital off their mortgage. So they're taking a mortgage today of, say, 100, 150,000. Yes. Well, if they pay off their uh, five years repayments, they might have a mortgage balance of 110,000 yeah. in five years time. And if they sell the property, say it doesn't go up in value, forget about all that, right? Yeah. They just sell it for 250. Well, now they're walking away with 140,000. Whereas if they stay renting, they're going to have 100,000 in cash that's earning 0% in interest. Yeah. And they're going to spend about 40 grand in rent. 
So they're going to be either have 100,000 in five years time or 140,000 in five years time. Okay. Uh, Rachel asks, if moving back to Ireland from being abroad, is there a typical time frame we would need to wait before applying for a mortgage, assuming we have already got a 10% deposit? Or are there strict rules because we haven't been in Ireland for a couple of years? The part B is whether a full-time contract is required or how long we would need to be earning in Ireland. Yeah, the first thing is you can pretty much apply quite quickly. Um, the fact that there are, I'm presuming here, there are citizens, yeah. right? So in that instance, the banks are very, very flexible on this. They really are. So let's so they're coming. So they're coming back from London or something like that, and they're in a new job. Yeah. If they're in the job a month or two, they can apply. This is very important about permanency. People think that they have to wait until they're permanent to apply for a mortgage. Absolutely not. Every bank will give you approval on the condition that when you draw down, you will be permanent. Okay. So in this instance, they should apply as soon as possible. Right. Melissa has a question that comes in three parts. One, are all banks refusing mortgages to candidates whose employers are currently on the wage subsidy scheme or mm. do some banks support it? I'm finding it tricky to research online. <laughs> Everybody who applies for a mortgage today, 2nd of February 2021, they have to get a letter. Most banks are insisting, in fact they all are, insisting that the employer, along with the salary cert, sends through verification that they're not claiming on the, the wage subsidy scheme. Okay. If you're currently on the wage subsidy scheme, they're not getting the mortgage. Okay, so you're going to have to be off the wage subsidy scheme. And can you just be coming off it or can you be, do you have to be off it for like six months? They haven't clarified that yet and I'm really sorry not to give you a clear answer because it's not unfortunate. But, but so far, once you're off it, you're off it. Okay. And her second part of the question is, is it hard for a single individual mortgage applicant to get an exception such as four times their salary instead of the standard 3.5 times? I have good qualifications and decent jobs, but the houses in my wider area cannot be bought for 3.5 times my salary. The new ones are extortionate, even with the help to buy scheme. This breaks my heart. Yeah. Because it's the, um, it's the number one frustration that's felt by people. It, it's, it's, it's enormously difficult for single people. To buy a house. It really is. Yeah. Because they have to literally show twice the income. Re you know what I mean? To, 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 to get the house that they'd like or the apartment that they'd like. She's right in everything she's saying. So we have no good news for her really. I just, it's that ultimately it's like, well, you just have to revise your expectations. Okay. It's, she said, in fairness, she's bang on the area I want to live in. Until, until so yeah. So she'll have to change the area or else be able to. Make more money. Yeah. For the help to buy scheme, do you have to have worked in Ireland for the last four years? Or can yes. You claim? Okay. <laughs> so she lived in the UK because of the recession, but you do, you have to be paying tax. The logic being, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So then Paula, my question is about switching mortgages. Are there any costs to switching? Do I need to appoint a solicitor to do so? Do I need to let my insurance company know that they can put, so they can name my new interest on my policy? Or what else do I need to know? I bought a house last year at Bank of Ireland Mortgages. They've got a cashback offer that I get 1% back if I'm still with them after three years. Is it worth waiting around or better to switch even if it's a short period of time? I call cashback offers the cheese in the mouse trap. Right, okay. They, they lure you in with this lovely cashback deal. Yeah. But when you look under the bonnet, you're paying an interest rate. If you stick on it, if you stuck with it for the five years, yeah. you've probably paid back the cashback yourself in interest, right? But if she's close to the cashback now... Yeah, no, I'm just, yeah, if she, it depends, if she said she bought it last year, she'll have to wait another four years in this instance to get the final 1%, right? No, it's three year cashback, so two years Sorry. and then she get the cashback. Okay, uh, in that instance, all the banks today will pay you the switch. Our first question is brilliant. 
about the switching. Uh, they'll all pay you to switch now. Right. So there are costs associated. You will have to engage a solicitor again. You will have to get a valuation report done. So again, it's typically between two to two and a half thousand euro. Yeah. But the typically most banks will give you at least three thousand um, of a grant, market. call it yep. that, towards switching. Um, so what was, was the second part of the question? Um, about waiting. Switch? Yeah, so I'm saying the 1%, you got to weigh it up. Like obviously financially, what's the 1% worth to you? But will another bank give you the equivalent amount to switch today? Are you paying a lower interest rate on your mortgage from today yep. versus leaving it um, another year and paying an excess rate. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes, yeah. So we don't know how much your mortgage is worth, so we don't know what 1% of it is worth, but you should talk to your bank about, um, or talk to the new bank that you're sort of like flirting exactly. with to see what they'll give you if you do switch. Yeah, but they all will pay you to switch. Okay, so mm. they'll cover those costs. Yeah. Sharon, my question is around fixed versus variable mortgage rates. I have a variable mortgage rate at the moment at 4.25%. I'm wondering if it's a good time to fix. I have received a lot of correspondence from Bank of Ireland advising that I should consider fixing now. I'd really appreciate any Robert any advice that Robert has around this. My mortgage has always been variable. This blew me away when I saw 4.25%. Is that huge? Enormous. Right. Like the as a first-time buyer today, the average rate of first-time buyers drawing down their own mortgage at today is 2.5%. Right, okay. So it means this particular person could switch today for at least 2.5%, if not maybe it's 225 in some instances. So well, she could have, nearly have her mortgage interest. So definitely do not fix at that rate. 100%. In terms of like even, in my advice to this lady is engage with a broker immediately. Get advice as to how much uh, what's the best rate she'd be able to get v from the market Yeah, and then make a decision whether she goes back to Bank of Ireland and takes like the fixed rates uh, fixed versus variable very quickly all the banks have decided to compete on fixed rather than variable that's all okay. it is so historically it's never been in your interest to fix ever in Ireland but something changed about two years ago the way the banks structured their commercial activity so they're all making it far more attractive to fix than go variable so a general piece of advice for 99% of people who are listening is you're probably as well fixing than going variable but only for a short period of time do not fix for longer than three years okay. do not fix for longer than three years but if you fix for that you're getting a really really competitive rate today and you're putting yourself in a position that you may be able to switch again in three years time and shop around for a better rate okay um, so Sharon, get in touch with Robert or Annie Roker. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. So we have a question from Fiona. Basically, her husband found out during a CCR rating uh, in that he didn't pay off debt in 2008. Mm. He found that out two years ago and he has since paid off the debt, but it looks like the reports are going to show uh, bad credit rating for five years. She's currently renting. They're saving a huge amount and they want to be homeowners one day. My question is, will any bank look at us before the five years are up? No. No. So you're going to have to wait out those five years until that expires. Mm -hmm. Sinead, I'm looking at buying with my partner. I'll be a second time buyer. He'll be a first. I know in banking terms, we'll both be classed as second time buyers. But how do the banks look at existing loans? Will the amount outstanding on my mortgage be deducted from the potential amount we could borrow? As the property is in the city centre, would they take into account the rental income? Absolutely. So this is a classic example. So again, in this scenario, what the bank will do is they'll say, uh, okay, Let's just call her Claire, right? Um, Sinead. Sinead, okay, Sinead. sorry, I missed that. So, okay, Sinead, so you have your own property there. Yeah. And let's say it's worth 300,000 and the outstanding balance on the mortgage is 220 and your mortgage repayment is X and your rent is Y. As long as all those numbers add up, yeah. absolutely, they will take it into account. So, but it won't come off. Let's just say they, herself and her partner have decided to uh, buy a property that's worth 500,000. They won't shave off 
her 220 off of their 500 right, mortgage okay. They'll just say, what they'll want to see is, is Sinead's rent covering the mortgage sufficiently? That will become part of the calculation that the banks will do. Okay. But it's not, so it will impact on the amount of mortgage, but not in the way she thinks. And in most cases, it's fine. Right, okay. And then our final question is from Kleena. My husband bought his house in the boom paid way above average for the house so our negative equity with what's owed in the house and what we would make off the house is probably at best 20,000 mm-hmm. we have outgrown the house it's no longer suitable we don't qualify for first time buyers even though I'm not named on the house really feel like we have no options it's just starting with this government incentives for first time home buyers new build allowance etc it's like the misfortunes of the boom are forgotten about have we any options of being able to buy a house that suits our needs is there any possibility of buying another home if we somehow come into 50,000 euro and are renting our current house basically is there any hope options or help for second time buyers I said earlier like that single applicant broke my heart this is the same the answer is no it's it's a killer Um, like they have the only choice they have is exactly what I said earlier they're going to have to try and squirrel away as much as they can for as much a deposit as they can Right. Uh, and move to another area. Or take the one step that I probably said you shouldn't do, but I've said ultimately you've got to be happy. Yeah. Move out and rent. Uh, if that's what, if, if, if you're really, if, if you've got a family of five in a two bad place. Yeah. And it's causing all, all sorts of difficulties in your life. So you'd rent your current house to someone else. Yeah, if that's what makes you happy. I mean it. If, and it's like it goes against all sound financial advice. But to hell with that. Happiness is, your, is, is, is ultimately what's important to you. And if that's what's going to make you happy, then I'm saying to you as a professional with 20 years experience, do it. I have put, I've put Robert's uh, infographic up on my Instagram page as of today. So you can go to my Instagram page there to find that. Robert, if people want to get in touch with you or get any more information based on what you've given them today, where can they find you? Uh, I'm really boring. I'm on Twitter, uh, but uh, just email us at hello at rockwellmortgages.ie so hello at rockwellmortgages.ie Thank you so much Robert I think everyone's going to be delighted that you got we got around to answering all their questions and got some clarity on what the hell the story with mortgages is um, thank you all for listening today I hope that you enjoyed it if you did please like and share the podcast on your social media or give us a review on Apple Podcast it really does help us to get further up the ladder in the ratings and uh, to get more people to find the show so many of you have already signed up to Headstuff Plus, which I'm so grateful for. I think like it's like 170 people now have signed up and that means the podcast can grow and grow. And I really, really am so grateful to you. If more of you want to sign up, it's five euro a month or whatever you want to give. And you can sign up at headstuffpodcasts.com forward slash register and then just choose my podcast and you'll get extra bonus material every month. As always, our music is by Only Ruin. Our graphic design is by Kahlo Gara. We're produced by Headstuff Podcasts and by Alan Bennett. And that's it for this week. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.